Well, after a string of documentary films here at Sundance, 112th in Delaware from 2010 to Tropia in 2012, Norman Lear, just another version of you in 2016, director Heidi Ewing presenting her narrative feature debut, I Carry You With Me, for the 2020 festival. She joins us now in the studio. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. So this is playing in the next category. So after all of those documentaries, what brought you to make a narrative film? Well, actually, about eight years ago, I was here with a film called Atropia, and I brought two of my friends with me to support, good old, good friends I've had for many years, and we were at Pizza Noodle on Main Street, believe it or not, and they opened up to me and told me their life story. And I was so floored by what they told me and shocked that I didn't know their, their real story after all these years of friendship. I couldn't get out of my head, and I decided it was a story that I wanted to bring to other people. And so I realized it could not be a documentary, and uh, I had to take a different approach. So I got busy writing the script, and uh, now we're here. Well, talk a little bit about just the the differences then for you. I mean, right? You've always gone in as a documentarian. This time it was your your creative imagination? It's really terrifying. It was terrifying because usually I'm, I'm used to working with maybe a crew of two, maybe three, and I had 84 people and I had a large cast, and I was shooting it in Mexico in Spanish, and everything was different. It was like being dropped in a different planet. I'd never directed actors before, uh, but you know, you just have to dive in. I had the opportunity to make the movie, and you know, I took classes directing actors, and I practiced, and I just I acted like a beginner. And when I was on set, of course, I I didn't want to abandon my documentary chops and my aesthetic. So you'll see a lot of my documentary influences in the film, but with a twist for sure. Let's maybe just step back and then tell us a little bit about the the plot of the film. The film is about two men uh, who meet in Puebla, Mexico in 1994 in an underground gay bar. And it's a time and a place in Mexico where being openly gay is not possible. They meet, they fall in love, but it's complicated because one of them has a son and is is not out. So basically it comes to the point where um, they decide to leave the country in order to live openly as a gay couple. And so they cross the desert and they start all over again in New York City. It's a true story, and it's really a heart-wrenching look at the immigration. Um, it's an immigration story that dovetails with love, and it's in a way that I think people haven't seen it before. Yeah, so what, your friends have seen it? I mean, because Oh, it's they're here at the this. festival. Uh-huh. They've seen it several times. They've yeah. been doing the Q&As. They've met the men that play them in the movie. And it's been, they've created a beautiful friendship, a sort of a cross-border friendship, and it's been really, really touching. That's interesting. So again, just, it's, I find it really interesting coming from the documentary side to your first feature and really based on a true story. And what were some of the differences in the process for you t- taking that story and, and, and making it into a feature? Well, it's, it, there's, there's a real sense of that you, there's a lot more freedom and there's a lot less freedom because you only have 35 days to shoot the movie. We're in a documentary. You can go back. You can shoot forever. It's pretty cheap to make a documentary. So the stakes are really high. Like every shoot day is just sort of like a little bar of gold. So you feel that pressure. Um, also, you know, there's not one ugly shot in my feature because you can plan things, you know, you take your time and it was a joy to be able to set up shots, do them twice, do them three times. In doc, in my feature doc stuff, you know, you're running and gunning, it's happening on the camera, it's not gonna happen again. So sometimes you just have to like make do, think on your feet. And so it was kind of just, it opened me up 
in such a different way as a director to be able to control the look and the feel of every single moment. So that was really fun. Did that help as well, I think, as your basis on on friends and personal relationship and wanting to really tell their story in your voice? It was a great responsibility because they entrusted me with their story and they actually took a a great risk in in, uh, telling me the story and, and promoting the film. And so I owed it to them to make it something very special, something very emotional. Um, and they didn't read the script beforehand, but they you know, they knew that everything in the script was um, based on their story. They didn't want to be too involved. They wanted to be surprised. So I was sending them pictures from the set in Mexico and calling them, but really until they saw the final film a few months ago privately, they didn't have a full uh, picture of how it would turn out, and they're very, very pleased and very proud. So talk to me a little bit about, because I had read that there's a, this uh, production company, The Population, that focuses on film and television projects about women, people of color, the LGBTQ, and other kind of underrepresented groups. They apparently chose your film as their first project? Well, so Minette Louie is my co-producer, and she was in the midst of starting her company, The Population, at the time. And this project fit perfectly in that bill of underrepresented voices, amazing stories that aren't getting told because of the studio system or because there's some sort of belief that the people don't really want to see or hear from minority populations, it couldn't be less true. I mean, you know, looking at a film like Moonlight and how that broke out and looking at a film like Call Me By Your Name and how that broke out, people want to hear stories of those unlike themselves, and I think this film will will also prove that. Well, and that's kind of interesting. Back to the uh, the, the the woman in Sundance um, meeting y- yesterday, where that we <clears throat> kind of heard again from you know Eva Longoria. Basically, it's like that's all she saw were little blonde girls on television and white families, and just never just populations that don't realize that there are. <laughs> other people that, right? And that's not what the United States looks like. And if film is supposed to be a mirror of our society and of our life and of our dreams and our hopes, then how can it possibly only be Caucasian men, basically, in in movies? Uh, You know, it's just... It's just not, it doesn't make any sense. And it is changing. I think the grip on those kind of stories is loosening because I think, you know, the country looks and feels different and we want to see stories about all of us. What's the reaction been like to the film so far? This has been, this is my fifth Sundance uh, with a film. I've never experienced these kind of reactions in my life. Uh, People on the street walking up to me in tears saying, my father was an Iranian immigrant. After seeing this film, I realized what kind of sacrifices he made. I'm going to call him right now and thank him. Mm -hmm. Um, People walking up to the subjects of the film, the film that, that the film's based on, asking for a hug, asking to talk to them, a standing ovation. It's it was, it's been so overwhelming, and I really think, I swear, we're in a moment in time right now. We, we want to sit in a room together. We want to laugh. We want to cry together. We want to have some kind of community uh, and not just be home on our sofa watching Netflix in our own apartments, in our own houses. I really think there's a hunger right now for community. It might sound corny, but after seeing this uh, reaction, I believe it really, really deeply. So the population then, that gave you the, the funding to make the no, film. actually, in Minette and I went out together to look for the funding, and funding came privately from Black Bear Pictures in Los Angeles, with the population and my company, Loki Films, co-producing. So we got the team together. We got, you know, we we presented the script together. The, the, actually, the funding did come from outside, from a financier in Los Angeles. Okay, and so what are the? 
you know, what the prospects. The though. movie's for sale, mm-hmm. and I can't give any spoilers away, but I think we're going to have good news in the next few days. Good. Well, I hope so. Um, you know, films in the next category are, are kind of known for being innovative and forward-thinking in their approach to, to storytelling. How do you think this film does that? Well, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but there's definitely a, a big twist in the third act um, where the film, it takes on a sort of a very daring, unconventional approach to the story. And, um, you know, most of the critics have been kind and haven't given it away. But it definitely belongs in the next category uh, because there's an unexpected turn in the narrative uh, that uh, hasn't quite been done before. So I hope people come and see it. We have three more screenings at the festival. Okay, and uh, real quickly, I'll mention those. Uh, oh, I have just two. But uh, Salt Lake Today. Oh, Salt okay. Lake Today. That's why I don't have that. And then Friday, the 31st, here at 8.30 p.m. at Prospector, and then Saturday, the 1st, 9.30 at the Ray. So knowing what you know now as a um, uh, director um, of both narrative and, and documentary, I mean, are you going to stay with one more than the other? Or? You know, I want to do both. I want to be able to, the stories that don't make sense as documentaries, instead of not making them and putting them on a shelf, maybe I could make them as fiction. You know, it opened up an ability for me to tell stories that I, maybe I wasn't telling before. <coughs> yeah, so do any plans at this point? Are you still trying just to, to, to deal with this? I'm meeting a lot of people. I want to get this film set up. I want to get this film seen, but I've got a couple of ideas knocking around in my head that got to come out. So, you know, to be continued. I thought it was interesting what you said about the value of seeing this film as a community (coughs) and others rather than streaming at home (coughs) and not really being able to have discussion. How do you want to see this film, uh, like, shown? Shown everywhere. Of course, streaming is crucial because you you can get it to the millions but you don't want to take the theatrical experience away from people who want to go and sit in the dark together and see it 20 feet tall so i you know i worry about the prospects of theatrical films but you know you do see they're surviving you do see people watching things in various ways from their phones to the big screen to computers airplanes so i'm a realist i'd like my film to be seen everywhere but i'm not willing to um delete the theatrical experience for people because when you're directing a movie and it's an epic epic sweeping film it takes place in New York in Puebla in Mexico City in Jilotepec in the countryside it's got large vistas it's a romance Um, it's two men falling in love there's dawn there's dusk you want to just see it big and and beautiful so you know I'm really really gunning to have to give people that experience if they want it and then if they don't get around to it They'll, you know, you, you let you go to the streaming. So I think every filmmaker has that dream of, of having all the different methods to be seen in their film. Okay. Again, I Carry You With Me is one of the films in the next category. We've been talking with director, writer, um, Heidi Ewing. Again, good luck with it, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you very much. Tune in and find out about some of the unknown and talented independent filmmakers from around the world. Join us for the Sundance Reel each weekday morning between 9 and 10. We'll highlight some of the most intriguing films being presented at this year's Sundance Film Festival. That's the Sundance Reel weekday mornings from 9 to 10 through January 31st, right here on KPCW or online, kpcw.org. The Sundance Reel is brought to you in part by Sundance Institute, presenting the 2020 Sundance Film Festival from January 23rd through February 2nd. And Acura, proud 10-year sponsor of the festival and supporter of independent film and music. Learn more at Acura.com.